Hi, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks. Today, my guest is Matthew Fortier, President and CEO of Accelerate, the EV Supply Chain Alliance. He's here to talk about the burgeoning electric vehicle industry and where Canada needs to be focused in order to take advantage of it. So I'm Matthew Fortier, President of Accelerate, uh, which is an organization uh, that brings together different uh, sectors of the Canada's zero emission vehicle supply chain. So that includes uh, critical mineral mining and processing and battery research and development, uh, as well as auto parts manufacturing and uh, vehicle assembly. Thank you for uh, joining me, Matthew. So to dive into the IEC report, one of the first things I noticed was that there was um, sort of two main areas of focus in terms of being proposed in terms of where Canada's focus should be. One of them being manufacturers pivoting to EV components, and then the other one focusing on sort of the mining industry and how the raw materials and commodities could support electric vehicles. What I'm curious about is there also seemed to be sort of like a mention of like this um, meaty middle ground with, with like yep. inverters or powertrain components and 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 um, things like that. So um, what it seems like if we had to pick one area to focus on, which area does the did the report really try and highlight for us? Yeah, I mean, what I'd say is um, Canada is sort of in the enviable position we can actually do a lot right so we're the only country in the western hemisphere with all the critical minerals that you need to make these batteries but also motors and 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 uh, and magnets and different alloys to, to lightweight these vehicles so we've got a terrific critical minerals play we also have an auto sector right that's integrated into the north american supply chain not only the infrastructure we've got the talent so we can do a lot here um but it needs to be sequenced a little bit so do we start with transforming our manufacturing capabilities to meet that demand? Uh, I think that that is a good place to start. You'll have seen the news this morning that there's some kind of progress in the U.S. with this, uh, I guess it was called Build Back Better at one point, but it's really less protectionist now. It includes Canada and free trade partners. So that allows some predictability for our manufacturing community to kind of reshape uh, their processes. But, you know, I think that we can probably walk and chew gum at the same time. I think we can do that. I think that you know, that allows some predictability for manufacturers and for OEMs. Uh, But I think we can also start, you know, really developing mining projects, right? So, uh, and that not only means building new mines, which takes years to to do, but it means, you know, processing some minerals and, you know, developing the minerals in Canada for sure, but also importing them and processing them here so that we can actually start making more batteries here in Canada. So I think we can do more than one thing. Uh, but it needs to be sequenced. It is kind of a generational project. As I said, you know, mines take a long time to get online and we're not we're not really producing a lot of the minerals yet, aside from nickel. And so, you know, what do we need to do to produce to, to open up new mines, to open new processing facilities, to make more batteries so that, you know, they're being put into cars that are or vehicles, it's not just cars, um, but vehicles that are made in Canada. I'm glad you expanded on that. And I'm really glad you sort of touched on the what's happening south of the border, sort of what I wanted to jump onto next. Obviously, the U.S. has made um, a lot of noise about protectionist policies, sort of uh, by American and a, a lot of manufacturing that needs to be done within the U.S. It's clear that Canada's put a lot of trade pressure on them to sort of be included in some of that. What my question is, is does the IEC report do, have we thought about what a resiliency strategy would look like if the U.S. ends up locking Canada out of, um, you know, the, these these trade deals if things go south? So, I mean, the good news is that it looks like it's turning in our favor and who knows what happens with that piece of legislation. But absent any legislation, we should still be kind of in an integrated scenario anyway. So 
it looks like we're, we're pointing in the right direction. But I would say that the best hedge against any protectionism is to have a strong industry here, right? To have a strategy to figure out what we want to be good at, to figure out what success looks like in Canada. So, uh, you know, even though we can do a lot of what needs to be done along the supply chain, you know, uh, we do need to pick our spots. And so you identified earlier, is it is it mining or minerals or is it manufacturing? It can be both and it should be both. But, you know, we'll have to pick amongst the list of critical minerals. What are our best plays? How much are we going to produce? How are we going to do that? And then on the manufacturing side, you know, obviously auto parts are changing. It takes, you know, thousands of parts to make an internal combustion engine. It only takes about 200 to make a, an electric motor. So, you know, that that shift is going to be real and it's going to be a transition for sure. Uh, we can do it successfully because we have the know-how and we have the infrastructure. Um, but our best hedge against any protectionism or against sort of volatility is to have a plan, to have a strategy so that external markets can look and can say, okay, they know where they're going. They know what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. That's a good investment opportunity. We know what predictability looks like in Canada. One of the things manufacturers are uh, concerned about as they sort of transition, you know, their plans to being more um, environmentally friendly or changing to new products is they have a lot of questions sometimes about how long it takes to uh, manufacture certain products. And so uh, I say that because um, it's clear that setting up a mining operation sometimes takes mm-hmm. 20, 30 years before it becomes profitable. It's clear we're not going to catch up to China or anything like that. So there is that midstream supply capacity yep. where uh, that's key. What I'm curious about is how long does it take to develop refined precursor minerals like graphite, hydroxide, cathodes, anodes, uh, inverters, and being involved with that midstream capacity? Um, how many years is that going to take manufacturers to you know, become operational with, with that sort of stuff? I mean, it, it depends. It depends on, on a number of things, including access to raw materials and, and, and uh, guarantee of access. We're seeing some really good projects uh, spring up in Canada. I mean, Nano One is a great example uh, of a Canadian firm that is expanding, uh, that that is leveraging its own innovation and IP to be, uh, you know, an important player in the, in the cathode and anode space. You know, so how many years does it take? The answer is it depends. One thing that is interesting to me, it's probably true in every industry. Uh, everybody wants this to be done quickly. Everybody wants to put a certain time frame against it. And the truth is, like the world doesn't end in 2030 or 2040 or 2050. They're, they're, they're going to continue to be opportunities. Um, and, and, and by the way, batteries are going to evolve, right? And technology is going to evolve. Transportation is going to evolve. So Canada's job really is to figure out where the puck is going to go so that we can meet it and, and, and have the technology and have the materials uh, and, the, and, the, and the people and the human capital to, to take advantage of where that puck's gone to. So I would say, let's be in a rush to establish a strategy and to create firms and to create competitive advantage, but let's also be patient and figure out, okay, sure it takes, you sort of put 15, 20 years. I mean, it takes, it depends on the mine, it depends on the, the province, but let's call it seven to 12 years. But then of course, profitability is another thing. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't start. It doesn't mean we shouldn't start developing more graphite or, or, or uh, uh, copper or nickel or whatever the, whatever the mineral is, um, because we know that there's still going to be a demand in 15, 20 years. It's not like the world's going to stop making things. So um, I, I think that we need to both be in a rush and be patient. But but look, just going back to what I said earlier, we do need to know where we want to go. Like I, I really do feel strongly that if we don't know what success looks like, we're not going to know if we've achieved it or not. So we do need, as an industry, as government, as stakeholders, to figure out, okay, where are we going to play and where are we going to be strong? I really like that quote. 
that you said, uh, if we don't know what success looks like, we're not going to know if we achieved it or not. The other thing that I wanted to uh, sort of ask about that the IEC's report sort of touched on was um, the talent pool and labor force mm -hmm. that we're going to, that is going to be needed in order to really uh, bolster and see, you know, the EV industry uh, explode here in Canada. I'm curious uh, sort of what uh, where Accelerate is on that and, and, and how you see Canada challenging other industries, because it's clear that, um, you know, uh, tech, energy, everybody's competing for, you know, highly skilled labor. So yeah. I'm curious how the EV industry um, can position itself to appear more lucrative. Are we looking outside of the country for talent? What should we be doing? So, you know, it, it, to answer the question about what Accelerate is doing, so we're road mapping all of this. So we're kind of, you know, at the beginning of that journey and road mapping means a lot of things. It means, you know, to my point earlier, what does success look like? But part of that is, you know, how many people are going to be employed in this industry writ large? And there are a bunch of sectors within this industry. So, you know, let's, let's put a number against it. You know, we know what we're trying to achieve. We know how much investment it's going to take. And so we kind of know how many bodies it's going to take to, to, to do this. So we can, we can, we can rough that out. Um, but to your second question around, you know, how do we do it? The answer is we got to do it all. Like, it's just like we've always done in Canada, we have to attract the best and the brightest, right? We need to make Canada a destination of choice for, for people who are going to invent things and, and patent things and, and you know, innovate. Um, of course, we need to develop that talent here internally as well. And we have done that. I mean, we, we sometimes we beat ourselves up in Canada. We look elsewhere and sort of say they're doing it better. Actually, Canada is a pretty good place to live and work. I mean, let's let's be frank. Um, but we, we need to continue doing that. The, the reason is we need to be able to provide the same standard of living to our kids and our grandkids that we've enjoyed, right? So it's really important to maintain that and to, to really grow it. I think the a big question for me is labor transition, right? So as I said earlier, it takes far fewer parts to make a, an electric motor than an engine. That's just an example. Okay, so you know there are going to be firms that are going to have to transition, right? And what does that mean? Well, it means they're going to have to make different parts, to be very frank, right? And so how do they do that? Well, it's going to be retraining. It's it's it, huge investments into retooling their, their facilities. And uh, and that's a competitiveness issue as well. And then there are going to be people who work in assembly facilities that are going to be maybe need to be retrained, right? So that's a big question here. But I go back to, you know, questions about industrial revolution. I mean, go back 120 years, you know, people would say, well, what about the handsome cab driver, right? What, what happens to him? Well, you know, when the, when the automobile comes online, well, it's not like all of a sudden jobs disappear. They're just new jobs. It's just never, nobody ever thought of like, you know, who would have thought that a blogger would be a job 15 years ago or a social media info. I mean, they're kind of trite examples, but, but there are roles that don't exist now that will exist. We need to know what they are going to be, or at least start creating that to some extent and, and visualizing it so that we can retrain. We've got to work with our you know, higher education community, make sure that the programs are online for that, uh, and that people want to work in this industry, right? Like, I, I really feel pretty strongly that our whole GDP is going to shift over the next generation, right? So, you know, oil and gas is, is still an important part of our GDP makeup, but it's it, it's going to transition to something else. And other things are going to have to make up for kind of holes in our GDP. This can be one of those sectors. And this can be an exciting sector for innovation, but also for like literally heavy manufacturing. I mean, you know, some people want to work in heavy manufacturing and this 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 can be a, a, a place for them to find a home. But it's also you know, for, for software engineers and for, you know, other people who kind of want to create IP. So I think there's there are going to be a lot of roles 
we need to we need to sort of sketch that out and figure out where those roles going to be. How are we going to train people? How are we going to attract people? It's a big job, but it's kind of an exciting one. Absolutely, and I think that's going to be an ongoing challenge as well. Uh, you know, making the industry, I guess, appear lucrative to uh, young people, students and immigrants and things like that. So really interesting to see how it plays out. The last thing I wanted to sort of touch on was uh, it's clear that the federal government's making a lot of investments in uh, electric vehicles and capacities and chargers and really every facet of the industry to try and you know, help it grow. I'm curious where you think the federal government uh, can invest a little bit better and where you want to see more uh, uh, focus. Well, I would say that the federal government and, and the provinces of Ontario and Quebec in particular have been really uh, smart and active in pursuing these sort of foreign direct investment opportunities, right? So I think if, I, if I'm in their shoes, their number one priority, particularly in Ontario and at the federal level, is to maintain our auto sector, right? Like it's super important. There are hundreds of thousands of people who are employed directly or indirectly in that sector and communities that rely entirely on those facilities and that manufacturing production. So uh, really, really important. They've been really kind of smart and diligent about doing that. And of course there's battery manufacturing too that they've been pursuing, which, which again signals their intent. I sort of see these as hub investments, right? So how do you take the hubs and build the spokes? Right. So how if you got manufacturer at battery manufacturing, you know, opening up in Ontario and Quebec, that's terrific. But where are they going to source their raw materials from? How are we going to advantage uh, Canadian producers of minerals and materials and then, you know, get the cathode and anode producers uh, up and running so that they can feed those manufacturing facilities? Right. So how do we kind of make this a an end to end supply chain? So if your question is how can governments invest? I, I think they've been doing a really good job of identifying the opportunity. Now it's let's build those spokes together. So, you know, identify what, which projects, for instance, are shovel ready in the mining community. How do we advance those in a timely fashion? How do we attract more processing into this country? And how do we kind of organically grow it as well? And how do we connect those pieces to the battery manufacturers and those, those battery manufacturers to the auto assembly community? So they've started kind of from a, a, a coal strategy, you know, like let's, let's attract FDI here, the big players, uh, and then that will pull upstream. Uh, and I think that that's a good strategy, uh, but we also need to be doing more to ensure that those upstream producers can make a go of it, right? Like investment in the mining community is it's hugely important, but it's hugely difficult because it's they're volatile investments, right? Like it's it's never a sure thing. Okay. You you know that there's something in the ground, but it takes not only does it take money and time, but like you gotta you gotta service them with hydro. You gotta their whole you gotta get attract people to work in these mines, et cetera. So so it's a big job. But that is where governments can step in and say, look, this is a national priority. We got to make sure that we're we're feeding these these battery manufacturing facilities so that they can feed the auto manufacturing facilities. So this is an important part of our economy. And by the way, not just a Southern Ontario or a Quebec part of our economy, like this is a national part. Like there's mining all, all over the country, right? There's smart people living in the Maritimes and up North and out West. So we can really kind of make this a national industry, but we need to be purposeful about doing it. So investment really throughout the supply chain, uh, but they've started off really, really well by declaring intent. Like this is going to be an important part of our country's future. As a follow-up to that, do you think we're done as a nation? Like we can sort of, you know, take our foot off the gas in terms of making the country look like an attractive place for some of these big uh, automakers to invest? And should we be focusing now more on building up that domestic uh, supply chain and investing in mining operations and things like that? Or, uh, or if we had to pick one, right? Because it's easy right. to say, well, we should do all of it. Right? Yeah. But, so what I'm curious is like, are the trade missions abroad still necessary or should we be focusing and spending that, you know, should we be investing more in 
the operations that you're mentioning? Yeah, I know you're trying to get me to make a binary choice. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, look, I think trade missions are always a good idea. I think it's always good to 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 showcase Canada and and not just the infrastructure we have, but the people we have, and and look, the governance that we've got. I mean, like, you know, if you're going to make an investment somewhere, you can do a lot worse than Canada, where you know you you, you know what the rules of the game are, you know who the players are, you know that there are free trade agreements with basically all the markets that matter, the free markets that matter, uh, and so so that's a really really strong point to keep pushing uh, globally. But I do think that we do need to focus more, not exclusive of. Uh, kind of the manufacturing the OEM community, we need to focus more upstream, right? Like we need to really develop that because that's Canada's competitive advantage. Our long-term competitive advantage is that we've got all of this. We've got the raw materials all the way downstream to to, to the manufacturing of the vehicles and of course, recycling batteries, et cetera. So if we don't take advantage of that full advantage, that's a shame when we're missing out on huge opportunities. And that's the opportunity cost that comes with not, you know, developing the whole thing. So that's, you know, going back to what I said earlier, we can be in a rush to attract FDI, but we also need to kind of play the long-term game and invest upstream as well. This was a really interesting conversation for me. I feel like I learned a lot and uh, I know how busy you must be, so I appreciate you taking the time to uh, answer my questions. No, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it.